Hello, and welcome to the Curious Artist Podcast. This is a show for artists and art lovers where I interview a diverse group of artists in order to get at the deep questions of the art world. In this episode, I interview Melissa Doran Richards. She is the Milwaukee-based artist who holds a BFA from the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. A practicing artist for 20 years, she is represented by Frank Juarez Gallery in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Her work can be found in many corporate collections. Melissa is also active in the local arts community through her work co-chairing the Milwaukee Artist Resource Network Advisory Board and as a board director and previous lead artist for Artworks for Milwaukee. Her newest adventure is as co-managing director for Material Studios and Gallery, a space for artists to create, produce, and develop their entrepreneurial practice. How about you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what brings you to everything, and go ahead. Oh, I'm Melissa Dorn Richards. I am primarily a painter, although I have a sculpture background. I studied sculpture at Myad. Recently, I've been doing more sculpture and looking at the ways that the painting and the sculpture come together and have conversations and talk to each other. I also do a little bit of grant writing and I teach. I recently was teaching in Milwaukee Public Schools three days a week. Two of those days were half days. And I also co-manage material studios and gallery with Pamela Anderson. Interesting. So you went to Myad? Yes. How did that go? I think that for me, Myad was a perfect school. I actually didn't go to college right out of high school. I worked for a little bit. And then I went to UWWC, and I spent a semester at UW Oshkosh. And when I found Myad, and I had previous con- connections with Myad, I had done a pre-college uh, figure drawing session when I was in high school. But I hadn't really thought about it as the place for me. And it, it just took me a little while to try out some other places. And Myad for me was small. So people knew who I was. The focus on art right away in your first year was great and what I really needed. And I think that the faculty there really valued who I was as an artist and helped me to grow as an artist. What led you to that shift in perspective that brought you to Mayad? Well, I had spent the semester at UW Oshkosh, and at that point I thought I might go into art education and become a teacher, but I really didn't feel like I was learning enough about art during that process to be able to teach it. And I think, you know, to be a full-time art teacher, you have to have a serious passion for teaching. And at that point... Um, in my life, the passion was more about art. Now that's changed a little bit, and I really love teaching both adults and kids now, but on a part-time basis. It's a little bit different dynamic, I think, and for me, it's the right schedule. Nice. I did not go to my ad personally. I went to UWM. And I did not finish my degree. So I'm curious, what happens when you go through the whole program? I think um, going through the whole program, at least at my ad, I understood, 
like that final year was really about getting my senior thesis exhibition together. And there were a lot of things that we did that helped prepare me to do that. And that included, you know, writing your bio and your artist statement, but also like timelines of your life and how different parts of your life impact the work that you make. It was the first time I really thought about some of those things, um, not just in the final year, but kind of as you, as I was building up to that final year. The other thing that I did at my ed that was super, super helpful is work in the gallery and just being able to put up my own exhibitions, understand what is going to look professional and good and be the best for the work in the end has served me really well. And I also had the opportunity while I was there to work for the River West Artists Association as an intern. I may have been their first intern. It was a while ago. (laughs) And that led me into a path that I don't think I would have gone otherwise, which was really working in the nonprofit realm with arts groups. And um, I eventually, or shortly after interning, I had my senior thesis exhibition at their space and then ended up joining the board. I went to one of the members' meetings because I was a member and they had an opening as secretary. So I I volunteered to do that because I thought it was something that I could do and that I could lend some assistance to the organization. And that really led me on a whole new path that has been part of my, I guess, career professional development since then, which that would have been probably 97. I do want to get into your career, and this is very interesting that you started career, but I'm curious still about, you say that when you write Maya, it helped you develop your voice and learn about all the professional things. I'm realizing now that I haven't really developed my voice as an artist as strongly as I could have. Are there any advice you give to younger artists or emerging artists or me developing their voice or how your process went with you? I think probably the biggest thing that we did at Myad, which they do at any art school, Mm -hmm. is critique. And I think even when you're not in school, the opportunity to have studio visits with other people to... um, to set up critique-like situations helps you think about what you're doing because we, we all know what we're doing inside. I mean, we know there are reasons for making the work that we do, but articulating those reasons and in some cases having to defend the work or really think about the quality of the work and the quality of the craft that goes into it, I think critiques kind of set up that perfect situation where you're really thinking about your work and the work of others. So sometimes you may not see something in your own work, but you'll see it in somebody else's. And to have that conversation, I think is really valuable. Thank you. Now let's get into your early career up until the later part, the current part. So that was 97 that you started your career as an artist? You, you mentioned 97, I heard that. I graduated in 96, so I would say like 96, 97 was when I 
really started. So that was like, I'm doing math, 20 years ago? Yes. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> uh, been a long time that you've been yes. an artist. What, what have you been doing? Well, I've been doing all sorts of things. And for me, I think there was a lot of freedom and flexibility with being an artist. So there were so many things I could do. I think people often think it's very limited, but it's not. As I mentioned, I got into the nonprofit art arts world, working with the River West Artists Association and the Milwaukee Artist Resource Network, as well as working at the John Michael Kohler Arts Center. I also did other interesting things. I worked at Olympus Flag and Banner, and that was pretty soon out of school where I made mascot heads, which was a really interesting look into a, a much more commercial way of producing. And that was really eye-opening too. And I liked parts of it and I didn't like other parts of it. But I also at one point worked in a dental lab where I was um, making models of teeth mm-hmm. and learning about how to construct crowns and bridges. So there, there just was so much opportunity. I mean, for Quite a while, I didn't stay at a job longer than like a year and a half or two years because there was so much flexibility. So if I got to a point where I was bored or kind of tired of that particular job, there was always something else that I could do. And throughout the 20 years, I have continued to produce art and to exhibit. And recently, well, not so recently, now over a year ago, decided to um, stop working full-time and really focus on um, marketing myself and my work and spending more time making work. Great. How has your work evolved over the years? Well, like I mentioned, I was a sculpture major. So when I got out of school, I was still making sculpture, mostly out of natural, more natural materials, so wood, clay, and often keeping that natural color to it. And about two years out of school, I finally had an image in my head that I wanted to paint. Something that I was like, this is a two-dimensional image. And so I did my first painting in our kitchen, on the kitchen table, because I didn't have everything I needed to do it. But that led me on a really interesting exploration of color, which has gone on for, you know, 17 years, 18 years. And I think that was the most dramatic shift because prior to that, any painting or drawing I did really didn't connect to, to me as an artist. It, while I was in school, it was more about learning the technique for painting and drawing. So That exploration of color was really intriguing to me. And also, I mean, for the most part, my work has always been somewhat abstract and in some cases fairly minimal. But color led me into a whole new world. And I'm now, as I'm making sculpture again, bringing color into my sculpture. What is it about color that attracts you so much? I think... It's probably about how it makes us feel that I think about most. I mean, my, my color palette has changed quite a bit, and I've been re- using 
fairly bold, bright colors, probably for the last five or seven years. And I think that when I first started using the really bright, bold colors, it was a way to make myself feel better. And when I started that, I can remember the first painting that was really bold and bright. And it was March. And March in Milwaukee can be really grimy and dingy and dull because we still have old snow around and it hasn't gotten warm yet. It was just one of those gray, gray days where I'm like, I just want to feel brightness or light. So that, it really was all about me to begin with. (laughs) Nice. Now, one of the central themes of this show is what art is and other questions around that. So what is your definition of art? I think art, when you get to the core of it, is an expression of yourself. And it relates to, hopefully, that expression of yourself relates to the larger society. But I think art is so individual that it really is, at its very core, about you and your values and your kind of inner self. Let's explore that a little bit more. So it's expression, but it's also of yourself. What exactly do you mean by that? I mean that, I guess for art, art for me is something that I can't see myself ever stopping. Whether, you know, I have a a nice studio like I do now, or if my studio is a corner of a room at home, it's just that like need to continue to make and then to get out your thoughts and express. I'm going to go back to saying the same thing that you just asked me the question about, but really, you know, I think expressing yourself means a lot of different things. And for some people it's expressing emotion For me, the expression comes more in the making, and my work is all thought out ahead of time. I know what the end painting or the end sculpture is going to look like. I do a drawing ahead of time. So when I get into the actual physical painting of it or the physical making of the sculpture, it's kind of meditative in a way, or it gets down to the actually applying the paint and having time to think or not think, to really just enjoy making the mark. That's a good definition. Now, I have another follow-up question. I have tons of questions. <laughs> That's why it's called The Curious Artist. What is? What do you think an artist is then? Well, I think it's interesting because it seems... That's an interesting question at an interesting time because it seems like the idea of artist is always evolving. But again, for me, an artist is somebody who makes things or potentially experiences that will impact others in a way, the way a painting can stop you in your tracks and you just have to look at it and sit in front of it or stand in front of it and you have to get close to it and then you have to back up 
and then you get close to it again because you really want to understand what the artist is making. So I think it's somebody that, again, I'll go back to kind of my definition. Part of what I said in the definition of art is I think an artist is somebody who can't stop making or creating. It just is always going to be part of who they are. That's great. Now, the relationship between art and artist and society at large, I think, is an interesting question as well. For your art, definition of art is experience, sort of. It's self-expression and in the moment doing something. And the artist is someone that touches someone else. Now, where does that relationship with the audience fit into art? Because it seems like by your definition of art, there isn't much of the other in it. I feel like there's a certain paradox there that I am enjoying this paradox. I think for me, society or other people come into it mostly when I'm exhibiting the work. And because I work abstractly and somewhat minimally, and most of my work is based off of a very defined subject, the conversation that comes out of exhibiting the work is really intriguing to me because what I try, the conversation I try to have with somebody is I want to know what they're experiencing and what they think the painting is about or is. And it's very often that answer is completely different than what my influence was. So currently I'm doing a series based off of industrial mop heads and that has been a great conversation because that's not something people think you make a painting about. So when they look at it, they're thinking sea urchin or some kind of flower or a tree, maybe even a tree, a jello mold, something not mop. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love your series. It's very different from what you've done before. Yes. And that it's white. Right. And usually you explore color and this is it's more texture based. Very fascinating. If you have a chance, right. go on the website and, and check it out. I'll provide links in the show notes. So that conversation and and part of it is getting people not getting some people are really don't have any problem saying, Oh, I think it looks like this or I think it's about this. Other people are a little bit scared to do that because they think somehow they'll offend me as artist when it's not the right, you know, in quotes, the right answer. But it's a really interesting conversation and helping people to feel comfortable about having the conversation and talking more about the texture. The texture in those particular paintings really draws people in. So they do, they, they do look at it really closely and then back up and look at it closely again. Yeah. That brings to mind, you're very interested in the business side of art. I know yes. that about you. Yeah. The relationship between the, the artist and the audience and how the artist is able to support themselves is something that's fascinating to me right now. And business and being an entrepreneur. Uh, can you speak to that? I can. And I think it's something I've been interested in for a really long time and is part of the reason I got involved with Mar and the Milwaukee Artist Resource Network because I'm always thinking... I shouldn't say always, but I think a lot about how you develop as an artist and how you find ways to sell your work that are comfortable for you. Because I tend to be more introverted and I don't 
necessarily like to talk about, you know, I don't like, like close the sale. Of course you have to do that. But how, how do you find a way that's comfortable for you to do that? That isn't pushy or I don't know, because you have to sell your work. Otherwise it piles up and it's, it's a really good feeling to know that your work is in somebody's home and that they love it and, or in somebody's corporation or office. And in the end, and, and this is, I don't think it's a, a revelation by any means, but it's really about finding those opportunities to create relationships with people that are interested in your work. And that's something I've been thinking a lot about more recently because, well, one, I've had a little bit more time to think about it, not working a full-time job at somewhere else. I work a full-time job here in the studio, but uh, more than full-time. I think, you know, it's interesting to investigate how marketing and different things come into play. So I'm not a huge Facebook user, but I understand... It's a, I mean, it's a great way to let people know that I'm still making work and here it is. And I get a lot of good feedback about it. So I've, what I'm working on for myself right now is how, how to integrate that more into my studio practice. So it's not, Oh, I have to sit down and do some social media now for 15 minutes. You know, it's a little bit more like, Oh, okay. Let's see what I can do now. And what what's the tone of the message? And what's how am I really communicating with people? So, yeah, yeah I, I think you know I I'm on Facebook. I joined Twitter. I have an Instagram account, and I'm on Tumblr. So I think, <laughs> and I kind of did like three of those all together. And I overwhelmed myself. I, I feel that feeling. I've gotten advice that you should choose one platform and like focus all your energy on it. Of course, I suck at this. So <laughs> I have a point of view. All the things that are good about art. Like people do the social media as a job. Right, right. And we're artists. So it's like, I don't know. It's a distraction, but it's, it's at the same point, it's in this day and age, I feel like it's a necessary distraction to, you know, right. to get your, the word out about what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. I And I think... There are some people, some artists that that do a fantastic job yeah. of integrating it into their practice. The the voice is clear and and um, consistent, and I'm working towards. Yeah, that. like Heidi has like over three thousand followers. She was telling me when I interviewed her, and I'm like, I only have like three hundred on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it I think you know with Heidi. It's also that you're out there giving other people feed, you know, clicking the heart on Instagram. And because I know when I post on Instagram, she, you know, clicks the heart. And sometimes I forget to go, like I might be scrolling through and going, ooh, ah, look at, you know, look at all this. And then forgetting to really give, you know, some comments. I think it goes back to the fact that on on social media, I tend to not think of, it is other really real people on there. Right. So it's like they're pictures, but they're not really people with which they are. So it's how do you connect with people? Right. Which it all comes back to in the end. Yeah, exactly. You can't forget that there's a relationship that you're trying to build there. Which right. I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a bit removed, right? So yeah. it's, but yeah, again, that, that feeds into the whole relationship 
too, and giving and getting and making sure you're an active part of that. Yeah. Yeah, which, yeah, it's complicated. (laughs) There are no easy answers to these questions. I know that. So that's why I love asking them because I love hearing different people's perspectives on the questions so I can formulate my own answers. Right. Yeah. I figure while I'm doing that, I might as well record it and share it with the world. (laughs) Right. So many questions, please, I can take this from there. Oh, grants. You are very into doing grants as well, and I'm, I'm very fascinated by grants and other ways that artists are able to make a living other than just through direct sales. Well, I know it's nonprofits is that your, your history is with, but I just want to hear your history with it and what you – go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I started grant writing um, when I was with the River West Artists Association. I had the opportunity to coordinate their art walk for a number of years, which is held every October. And that was my first experience at grant writing. I wrote the Milwaukee Arts Board and a Wisconsin Arts Board grant for those. And I wouldn't say it was easy, but because other people had already submitted those grants, I had something to work from. So that makes it a little bit easier because you can see the way people answer specific questions because sometimes... You can think a question is asking the same thing as a question above it, but it's really not, and it's an opportunity to pull something out of either your work or the event or whatever you're writing for um, and to highlight it. I also had, throughout the 20 years since I've left my ed, a lot of people who have helped me with that, you know, either proofreading, just, you know, positive support, saying, you know, tips on what to do, tips on foundations to go to. I haven't, well, and I, so I did that with the River West Artists Association, also with Marn. And I did a little bit, I actually, I worked at Myad for about eight years. I did a little bit there. So it's been a pretty continual thread. I've I've worked also with um, UWM and I'm working with the Friends of Hank Aaron State Trail right now. And I think, you know, if there was one tip I could give anybody that's interested in writing grants, and I think it doesn't matter if it's about your own work or the work of others, is that to be really clear and concise is, I think, one of the most important things. I mean, you have to be passionate about what you're doing, but also understand that when a foundation or somebody is getting your grant, it's not the only grant they're reading. So if they can't understand what you're trying to say, it's most likely going to go in the reject pile because they don't have time. Like they might be reading 100 grants or 300 grants. So being clear and concise and really understanding what you want to get out of the grant. And, you know, the grant isn't just about you. It's also about the place that's making the grant. So what are their objectives? What what do they what are they hoping to get out of it? So it's kind of the same relationship thing. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to resources. I know you love to read blogs online, you would and follow the art world that way. And you also love to read books. Are there some that you would like to recommend? Sure. Well I have 
three blogs that I read or look at. Red Dot Blog, which is from a gallery owner uh, in Arizona. The gallery is Xanadu. And that, for me, is a really interesting perspective because it's from somebody that has owned a gallery, I think, for over 20 years, quite some time. So it's an, it's an interesting way to look at it. And I've, I've learned different things. I mean, he's very forthcoming with marketing tips and all sorts of things. Another one that I look at is Two Coats of Paint, which is uh, about art and about artists. They do some interviews and different things, which I really enjoy, you know, because I'm located in Milwaukee. I don't get to New York a lot. I need to go visit very soon. But it's a way to stay connected to what people outside of Milwaukee are doing. The other one, which is it's probably my favorite, and it's more about the visuals and there isn't usually a lot of writing. It's uh, structure and imagery. And it's a lot of it's about abstract art, but not all of it. And again, he is based in Brooklyn. So again, I get to see what's happening in New York and, and what's going on outside of Milwaukee. Well, before we get to the books, which I do want to get to, yeah. I brought up a few more questions. Now, we live in Milwaukee, which is a smaller city, not as big of an art market. How have you gone about compensating for that? Because we're not based on New York or Chicago or I don't know what the other art hubs are in the U.S., but that's fast. That's uh, I know it's globalizing, but at the same time, art is about relationships, as you said before, and forming relationships and getting your work out there. Well, that's, that's still something that I need to work on, getting my work out there more. A couple things that I've been doing... One thing, I went to the Vermont Studio Center, which is an artist residency. That was about two years ago. And one of the goals with that was not only, obviously, to, and at that point I was still working full-time, was to take up, you know, two weeks and spend time making art. But it was also to connect with other artists. And that was a great opportunity because there were, I think, 50 artists and writers at that residency. So it's a big one. But that was a great way to, you know, again, see what other people are doing. They brought in visiting artists, and they brought in visiting writers. You lived with other people, so it was a, a really good way to connect outside the Milwaukee arts community. And I, I'm also continuing that. I'm looking for other residencies and other places that will get my work, um, you know, either to one of the coasts or get me and my work either to one of the coasts or somewhere else that I think might be a viable opportunity. I'm curious about artist residencies. What exactly are they? I know a little bit about them, but I don't really know that much. Do you have to pay to get into them, or do they pay you, or does it depend on the one? It depends on the artist residency. So with Vermont, they have a number of different options. So you can you, you have to be admitted to all of them. So once you apply and are juried in. They have a number of scholarships or fellowships that can cover the cost, or you can pay for the full amount or part of it. So the other thing at Vermont, which isn't the same at all artist residencies, is that so your your lodging is part of it, your food is part of it. I did not have to think about food the entire time I was there. There's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
which was also another great opportunity to talk to people. But yeah, you didn't have to think about any of that. And, you know, and then there are others like the, the John Michael Kohler or the arts industry residency in Kohler with the Kohler company. That is a longer stay, like it can be three months or six months. And you also get a stipend and a number of your materials are, you know, part with the company. So it's a pretty wide range. When I started investigating, I was, that's a way to kind of figure out which ones you're most interested in, because, you know, do you want to be completely secluded? There are some that are, you know, there are four people in the residency, that's it. Or do you want you know, do you want to be in New York or do you want to be in LA or you have to really think about what you want, make sure you pick the right residency for you. That brings a sort of related, sort of unrelated issue, (laughs) sort of productivity. Cause I was thinking, okay, that'd be great to do all that research, but how do I keep myself from going on social media and killing time when I'm doing that? (laughs) This one rabbit hole will lead to the other. So how do you stay productive when you're online both and in your work? How do you structure your days? Well, I haven't been that good at structuring my days lately, but I'm going to be time blocking. What I need to figure out with that, which is essentially just setting aside a block of time to do a particular thing. Um, What I need to figure out with that, though, or what I'm realizing is that maybe two hours or three hours isn't the right amount of time. If I'm creating work, it needs to be a, a... big block of time. Mm -hmm. But if it's something like grant writing or research, it probably needs to be shorter amounts of time. So it's, so I don't get distracted. Have you heard about the Pomodoro technique? No. You said, okay, so I'm not sure exactly the background behind it, but you said an egg, it's like a a tomato timer is what it's based on. So it's Italian for that. But you said a timer for like 25 minutes and then take a five minute break. And then you said another timer for 25 minutes. And you do four of those, and you can take a longer break. It's really helpful. I've used it in the past to get myself to concentrate on doing tasks. I've forgotten. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't do it. <laughs> right. I, I need to set structures as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really important because there's so many things that can distract you. I mean, I work in a studio where there are lots of other people, usually. And in the third ward where there are lots of other things to do besides work in my studio. So, and it's one reason I do have a studio is because when I'm at home trying to work, not a lot of work gets done. So, <laughs> and, and that's me personally. Other people are great at working at home. I now know enough about myself that that's not the right space. Let's transition to talking about your studio. You're, you co-own this, this beautiful space with, with, oh my God, I almost said your name. <laughs> Pamela Anderson, who's the artist in residence at the Fister Hotel currently. Yes. How is that going? It's going really well. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary. Yeah, I just (laughs) I just realized that a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, we started July 1st. So that's when the name changed to Material Studios and Gallery. And it's been really interesting. We because we we have artist studios here. We have nonprofits here and it's 6,900 square feet of space. And it was a little daunting because Pamela and I, neither one of us had done exactly this kind of venture before. 
we both have a little bit of corporate background and running our own business background, but this was new. And it's been, it's, you know, it's evolving. There are a lot of things we'd like to do, but it's really, again, about figuring out that balance of time and energy and, and what we're able to accomplish well and not do things just for the sake of doing them. But, you know, we've met a lot of really great artists. We've had amazing, we have and have had amazing people in the space. And I think we're both just really interested in continuing that and seeing how it evolves. You know, we've, we've almost got year one under our belt. Right. Now, let's go back to those books. Yeah. <laughs> I love artist books, and you do too. So go ahead. <laughs> well, the kind of the professional development type books I look at um, or two that I've found particularly helpful regarding art and how an artist could or should work. One is Artist Guide by Jackie Battenfield, who also, so she wrote the book. She has been making her living doing her art for a long time in New York City. And she also runs professional development or is part of professional development um, that Creative Capital does. Oh, really? Which is another really interesting resource that you can just Google and they have podcasts and different things that you can be part of even, you know, from Milwaukee. And I think it's three years ago now they were, they came to Milwaukee and Marn had them do a professional development weekend, which I was lucky enough to be a part of. The really other sure. book you were mentioning. And then the other book is artwork. It's art backslash work. It's Heather Darcy Bondahair and uh, Jonathan Melbert and both of these books I use, um, you know, I've read parts of them, but I also use them as resources because I think even when you're refreshing your artist statement and you know how to write an artist statement, sometimes it's good just to like get another viewpoint on it and think, try to think about it in different terms. And then there are, there's a book that I read about marketing, The Tipping Point. Malcolm Godwell. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was really good. And helped me think about marketing differently and a little bit more in depth. You might like the book Lynch. I mentioned this on the other podcast. I guess I just read this book, so that's why it's it's on the top of my mind. But it's it's by Seth Godin. It's called Lynchpin. Okay. It's all about art and being an artist from a mark from a, um, a business perspective. Right. Like what you can bring to your organization, but still, it speaks a lot to the art artist in the art world. Yeah. Uh, if you like the, those kind of business books, you would enjoy that book. I, I got it from the library. I enjoyed it so much. I bought it and marked it all up. Because <laughs> like every page is like highlighted, highlighted, highlighted. Right. Well, I've read other books by him. So, I, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. good. Um, any like inspiration art books? Usually, I would say what I read for inspiration is artist biographies. So, I'm always really curious about how other artists live and what they do. And I would say probably the most influential, which is actually one I read, or the first time I read it was uh, when I was still in school at Myatt, which is, uh, and there's more than one, um, Anne Truitt's Daybook, which is essentially her journaling and talking about 
her life, more like a, a, you know, a diary type thing. So that was really interesting to me. And then I pretty much whenever I see a biography type book, and I, I, I am really drawn to those that are written by the artists themselves, because I always think about, you know, from somebody else's perspective, well, we're sort of winding down, it feels like. Okay. Uh, before I ask you my final questions, is there something that you want to touch upon that we haven't talked about today? There was one other book I was going to mention. I'm actually in the process of reading this one right now, but I found it, I think it's going to be really helpful as I put a little bit more structure into my life, which is The Power of Habit. Um, Charles Dewey. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love that book. Read Smarter, Faster, Better, his newest book. Okay. That Oh my God, I love that book. Yeah, <laughs> I love The Power of Heaven. Don't get me wrong, that's a great book. But his newest book, I've gotten so much out of that, like pr- pr- introducing disfluency into your life right. in order to learn better. Yeah, so I, I think one thing, you know, some of the things that are in some of these books aren't necessarily new, mm-hmm. but to take the time and to really think about the way you produce and how you produce and what are the optimal what is the optimal environment for you or the optimal day? You know, what does that look like? And to think about those things a little bit more in depth. I just realized I interrupted you. Maybe you should speak more about the book. Oh, (laughs) well, no, I think it's just, I think it's, it's interesting to reflect on the habits that we have, particularly maybe as we get older and we have habits that we don't even know we have. And how those are either enhancing our lives or not enhancing our lives or making things more difficult. So that's been enlightening for me to think about. But the book itself is filled with stories, Mm -hmm. which is also, you know, it's not dry research or anything. It's, It's really to think about, you know, how others have done things and the impact that changing organizational habits or um, personal habits can have on a life is that's great that brings to mind a couple more questions okay. <laughs> I lied we're not almost done <laughs> what's your why you mentioned that it's important to reflect upon the why so what 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 is one of the whys that you have why I do what I do because I can't imagine not doing it which seems like an easy response But I've actually spent time thinking about this, you know, as I've gone through different jobs and I've been creating my life and career, I really, really can't imagine not making art. That's great. I think that's a sufficient answer. I've come to a similar why right now. Yeah. (laughs) And then where can people go online to to help find you and help support you. What, what can people do to help support you as well? My website is melissadornrichards.com and it needs a little updating right at the moment, but you can, get, <laughs> right, you can get a sense of what I do, my work. And I also have a profile on Marn's website, which is artsinmilwaukee.org and at Material Studios and Gallery. We are open... Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 5, open to the public. We encourage people to come in and just walk through the studios and see what everybody's up to. It's 
often a good opportunity to talk to an artist and find out more about their work. A little different from a gallery night where there's a lot of people, which we're open for that as well, of course, but that's a little bit more social and we get quite a number through the doors here. So sometimes it's harder to have those more in-depth conversations. Now I have one last question that I'm going to close all my interviews with. The name of the show is The Curious Artist. What's sparking your artistic curiosity right now? I think, hmm, I think there are two things. One is texture. I'm just really focused on texture and and evolving that in my work. The other thing, which this has been one of my things for a long time, is sculpture and painting and how the conversations between the two and how they evolve alongside or in each other. So not only in my own work, I mean, that's obviously been driving my work for quite a while, but um, how other artists uh, engage with that. Well, thank you. It's been a really great interview. Thank you. Um, Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to support The Curious Artist Show, please share it with a friend or someone you think would enjoy it. Thanks again. Have a nice day.